Hey y'all, welcome back to New Slang. I am music journalist Thomas Mooney, and we're closing down the week with episode 177, where I'm joined by R.C. Edwards. R.C., of course, is a founding member of one of my all-time favorite bands, Turnpike Troubadours, and is now the frontman of a new band, his new band, R.C. and the Ambers. He was in Lubbock the other day playing a show at Blue Light, so we did a quick little episode after the sound check. We talk about Big Country, the forthcoming debut album by R.C. and the Ambers, and we talk about some of those songs and share a few old stories and a few other things about basketball and the thunder and whatnot. Today's presenting partner is our pals over at Desert Door Texas Sultal. If you've been listening to New Slang for really any amount of time, you'll know that Desert Door is one of my all-time favorite premium, high-quality spirits. If you haven't or aren't sure what exactly a Sultol is, I'm going to let you in on a little secret that's going to up the game on your liquor cabinet. For starters, the best reference point that I can point you to is to think about a tequila or a mezcal. Do you feel that Western desert, that Texas ruggedness? Okay, Soto is like that, but a little bit more refined, smooth, and fragrant. It intrigues the palate and offers these hints of vanilla and citrus. There's an earthiness that often sends me right back to my Trans-Pecos and Far West Texas roots. There's plenty to love about Desert Door. For me, it all starts right there. A close second is just how versatile Desert Door really is. You can go full highbrow and experiment with concocting a variety of cocktails that call for muddling fresh fruit, sprigs of thyme, sticks of cinnamon. It's perfect for that world. If you're a little bit more down home, if you've just rolled up the sleeves of your denim wrangler button up, it's perfect for that as well. If you're just desiring something that's short and sweet, it hits the mark every time. Desert Door is genuine and authentically West Texan. It's inherently West Texan. They harvest soto plants out in the wild and are knowledgeable conservationists at heart. That's obviously something incredibly important to me. They shine a light on what makes West Texas special and unique and worth preserving and keeping it safe from exploitation. Right now, you can find Desert Door all over Texas, Colorado, Tennessee, and there's budding numbers in places like New Mexico, Arizona, California, and Georgia. Best thing you can do is to check out DesertDoor.com to find where Desert Door is locally. Again, that's DesertDoor.com. If this is your first time listening to New Slang, be sure and hit that subscribe button. New Slang is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and virtually everywhere you can listen to podcasts. Of course, if you're going to do so, take another two seconds and hit that five-star review. It does go a long way. Be sure to make a pit stop on over at the merch store. That would be newslangpodcast.bigcartel.com. Over there, we have plenty of t-shirts and coffee mugs and shot glasses and a lot of other stuff. If you're wanting even more new slang stuff, a great way to support this podcast, my 90s country podcast, The Neon Eon, and journalism in general is to sign up and become a part of my Patreon. You can sign up for monthly merch packs, ad-free episodes, or be part of our postcard club for as little as three bucks a month. And of course, all the links that I just mentioned, they will be in the show notes. Which, yeah, short episode. Let's do a short intro. Here is R.C. Edwards. I'm not good enough to... Did you listen to any of those, like, live streams me and Amber did during the shutdown, like, on Facebook? 
No, I didn't really watch any anybody's stuff because I just but, uh, found like. So a lot of them we had like our buddy uh, Kyron was there with a, uh, a portable speaker and he would uh, he had downloaded a uh, like an app of like sound effects <laughs> on his deal and so he was like you know how the morning radio guys will have like the guy yeah the, like you point at him and he'd like, do a, a laugh track or a clap or. Womp, womp, yeah, he had just a lot of weird ones, and it was it was really it's pretty funny. Like, added to the show a lot. Yeah, I wish I was a good enough to be one of the radio guys because hypothetically, what you'd want to be able to do is just have it where you could have all the intros in with it, and just like do the intro with the theme music oh, yeah. in and all that kind of shit, and then be just like, bam, bam, bam. Yeah, what's nice about here, and I've seen people talk about, you can like um, obviously upload whatever you want. So, like, let's say, one time, RC, you said this about this. <laughs> and then like, oh, you should you... have prepared, you know? Like, yeah, yeah, like, I, I listen to a lot of, like, sports talk radio, and they're like, I'm like well, it'll, be, it'll be like, Gideon, play, play the clip. Listen to what he said, you know? And it'll be like a, some interview a guy had that day or something. And, right. and you could, like, do it to your guest. Like, I'm going to ask you if you remember this. <laughs> what, is, what is this? A tack piece? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That would be nice, yeah. <laughs> what I mainly got this, though, was just because we got the phone line. So I can oh, just, like, plug cool. in the phone and versus I was, like, having to put different – like, I had, like, an iRig and, like, all this shit to have to, like, plug into a different board like just to plug into my phone for phone calls. Yeah, I was going to say for calling yeah. and stuff. Because all this – almost, like, 99% of this has been over the phone these past year, so. Oh, yeah, last year especially, huh? Right, so it's been a been a minute since the the first uh, in person ones. Mm-hmm. So it's been a we were the very first ones, isn't it? Huh? We were the very first yeah, ones. Yeah, yeah. You guys were the first ones, and like I've been in Cherokee County too long. I'm probably hard uh, to understand sometimes. We're finally I, getting out into the civilized <laughs> world again. Yeah, that's whenever I was so unprepared on any of this shit, where you know I had Parker doing all of the the. Engineering, the engineering yeah. and stuff, because like originally him and me and him were going to be doing it together, and it was like, oh, um, Parker, you really don't talk much. Like I can't get you to fucking talk at all during any of these. <laughs> Silent so, co-host. Yeah, just uh, moral support and engineering. Yeah, just do the the head nod over there. Parker's head nodding right now. So yeah, but. <laughs> Anyways, um, one of my favorite things on that first one, like you were like, you write a lot of the songs. Like, um, it, is there <laughs> a, it, like, when, are you thinking of like how it's gonna, I think I went on some rant about like, there are certain words he doesn't like to use, <laughs> <laughs> just made up of some nonsense. Well, like, I, I still will ask people about stuff like that because the, uh, and it's all based off of Noel Gallagher talking about for Oasis having certain words that he would write because he knew his brother could sing them better because he had, like, the long vowel. It's a funny idea. Like, I've, Yeah. I guess I would never think about it personally, but I would think about a word as far as, like, is it if I'm singing or if anyone's singing mm-hmm. it, does it sound better as vocally? Yeah. As a word that might be prettier on a page, but it doesn't. it's not going to be pretty singing it. You know? Right. Yeah. Because, like... Catastrophe. You can, yeah, because it's, it's all in the, the long vowels. If you mm-hmm. can, like, stretch out that vowel. The only person who I remember actually saying yes, and this is, like, just recent, was Terry McBride, who, McBride and the Ride, mm-hmm. 90s band, who, once that band broke up, 
you know, he's riding. Oh, she was the chick who always wore the cowboy hat, right? Huh? <laughs> but he was talking about how the uh he ended up like writing a bunch of songs for brooks and dunn and like oh okay well ronnie can sing a certain way and like he wrote like if you if you see her if you see him and so like he was saying like he was thinking about the way reba and ronnie dunn sing and like his That's little cool. demo of it is him doing a ronnie dunn impression basically so there you go only person, though. I mean, that's literally like the only person who said, yeah, matter of fact, yes. So, that's I digress. That's, that's the next level there. I know. But, yeah, it's uh, how, how it goes, I guess. I, I don't know. <laughs> um, obviously, you guys have, you have a new record that's going to be coming pretty soon. Oh, yeah. Um, What's the, give a little, a little synopsis, synopsis, a little short Okay, intro so, into it. Uh, it's called Big Country. And title track is a song I wrote called Big Country about Big Country Bryant Reeves, who you might remember from 90s basketball fame. And it, he's from a town real close uh, to where I grew up, Gans, Oklahoma. And he was, he was sort of a folk hero and kind of still is, you know, the big country. And so I, I kind of, uh, so I, naturally you got to write a song about him. And so that was one of the tracks on the record. And we get to try to think of the name. I was like, Big Country, man. I, I like that a lot. And the uh, uh, my buddy Pigs was doing some artwork for us. And have another song on the record is called Astronaut. It's one that me and uh, Johnny Burke wrote. And he'd made, because I'd seen some tracks, that, like this is sort of what we're working with. Like you got any uh, design ideas? And uh, he, he made this design, and it was an astronaut, like in some stars. And then um, it said Big Country. And it ended up, it's going to be the album cover. But, um, you know, it was like, I Hello. But it, uh, I, I like that idea of, uh, um, oh, big country, that's space. That's the biggest country, you know? And I was like, that, that kind of works together. And so that's sort of how the name came together. Yeah. Now, as far as the story of the album, it's a lot of songs. Spans a long time that these songs I've written. Um, a few of them with Johnny, um, uh, Hank Early, uh, produced, mixed, mastered, engineered, like played every instrument you can think of like it was it was very much like me and hank's uh, project and he 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 was the the magician on the whole thing and uh, and there's there's one of his songs on there it's a, called oklahoma beach body and that's it that's going to be our first single it should be out in around the middle of june i believe and then we're looking at I don't have a date yet but the record should be out this fall like um yeah turns out a lot of people made records last year and so <laughs> it it's it's almost like a traffic jam through distribution people as far as getting them out and getting getting stuff printed or pressed like it's a yeah it's there's a, definitely like a traffic jam and a releasing music flow right now but we've finally got some wheels turning and it looks like it should be out around september and then we'll have some singles like like hitting in the middle of june but kind of made it all throughout i think we started in the fall and kind of finished up around december like um just you know like some of it was just uh, not having much to do during up when everything was closed and right so like did pre-production and writing and then started recording in the fall and uh, it's um I was, that's something i've been wanting to do for a while like i've i've made a solo record once once so long ago it's like hilariously long ago like me and fulbright made one in durant that i've i've got a copy of it but it, it's never 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 really seen the light of day but it's fun but it's just not really the, the quality that, that people <laughs> might expect in a, in a sound 
in a record. But this one's pretty pretty legit, though. We're really happy with it. Um, first one that I've got to do with Amber and um, Justin Kay's on it, our mandolin player. Um, the two newest guys in the band aren't on it. Um, it was done before they really got in a band. And, but, um, they, uh, but, yeah, like I said, like Hank does most of the parts. It, it's pre- pretty excited about it. It's, it's a lot of songs that, uh, you know, I'd, some new ones, but then also some old ones that I'd written that didn't, didn't really fit Turnpike. And so mm-hmm. this is sort of an outlet for that. Um, got some horns on there. Uh, Corey Graves the, from the Vandaliers, he was nice enough to do some horns on it. Uh, Gabe uh, Pearson, Turnpike, the drums. And then Cade uh, uh, and the mandolin and Amber did some vo- vocals. And then um, I, I just played guitar and sang, and then the rest of it's Hank. It's, it's a, like, a very Hank early driven project, which is a good thing. Yeah. Yeah. I've, you know, I didn't, I've not really thought about it having the, where, you know, everyone's gotten in line to do distribution and, you know, there being a, a jam because, like, everyone's talked about, oh, next year I'm going to, that's when I'm going to release the record. And every, all these people you talk with, it's like, you know, we've put off the record for eight months or a year. We've had this in the back pocket. And then now, all of a sudden, now, you know, everyone's going to be trying to release it this year. Boy, I know, I, like, even just, like with vinyl specifically, I know like a lot of that's been backed up, but I didn't really necessarily even think about just the, all the other shit, just like the, you know, uh, if you're doing CDs, obviously, or just someone's punching that in the computer. At yeah. Some it, point, it's, right? it's sort of, um, you know, two sided, like they, uh, I mean, not two sided. There's the two factors. There's one that the people delayed their releases because of right. COVID and they couldn't get out and promote it. The other one is people made more records because they were they weren't out playing live. They were at home working. Well, we might as well make a record, and that kind of so lots of music's coming out. And then what really uh, and like yeah, vinyl is one of the, the slowest things, hardest things to get done right now. It's like I think four to six months right now to press vinyl. Right. I know that like a lot of people, it's been that you can pre-order it now and then you'll get it when it's. Get it when you get yeah. it. Yeah, that's that's kind of what a lot of people fell so, into. I remember with I guess I think with, Kyle had yeah, a lot of trouble. I he had uh, said that there was like something messed up on on the print, so it basically hit him back to the back of the line, you know, because like he wasn't gonna put out something that had just yeah this yeah it's, it's every everything's a cue like everything's a line and all every part of it it seems like and like I said the line's pretty long right now. This episode of New Slang is brought to you by the Blue Light Live here in Lubbock, Texas. Blue Light has long been the heart and soul of the Lubbock singer-songwriter scene and has been a home away from home for some of Texas, Americana, country, and rock and roll's finest over the years. Talk with 99.9% of the songwriters who have come out of Lubbock and the panhandle at large over the past 20 years, and they'll point to just how integral and necessary the Blue Light is. With live music and touring slowly but surely coming back, spots like the Blue Light are getting back to their usual ways as well. That means music every night of the week. Do you want to see that schedule? Well, I've got a few options for you. One, go to their socials and give them a follow. That is at Blue Light Live on Twitter, at The Blue Light Live on Instagram, and of course, by just searching The Blue Light Live on Facebook. 
They're consistently posting that week's lineup of shows as well as those heavy hitters that ought to be on your calendar that are coming up on the horizon. Two, check out bluelightlubbock.com as well. There they have the full schedule, the cover charges, time, any of those specials that may be happening. While there, go check out their merch page. They have a wide range of hats, koozies, hoodies, sweaters, beanies, jackets, and so much more. You can, of course, get all of your merch needs when you go see your favorite band take the stage at Blue Light. Just ask the bartender and they will get you all set. Speaking of which, that's another great way of seeing who's playing there. Just go to the Blue Light. It's at 1806 Buddy Holly Avenue here in Lubbock, Texas. And of course, again, that is bluelightlubbock.com. I'll throw a link into the show notes too. Maybe I'll see you there. Okay, let's get back to the show. You know, I've always wondered about this is like you, you go to these places and there's to a garage sale or something, right? And there's just a shit ton of vinyl that is never going to be bought, right? It, do, is, are they able to like recycle that to make new vinyl? I don't I have know. No I, see idea. Like, I see like lots of arts and craft people like make ashtrays and right. That's the, the art out of it. But yeah, I wonder. That's the interesting question because you, could you just melt it and start again? You know? Like, yeah. I don't know. I have to do some googling on that one, probably. Or yeah, I get, didn't think you'd have the answer. Get but the, I, <laughs> get the get the my formal training is in pharmacy, Mooney. I'm <laughs> I'm not an industrial chemist. Hey, I mean, <laughs> pharmaceutical chemist, <Yeah>. maybe. <laughs> but you know what I mean, though. It's like there's all these fucking I don't know. Uh, I don't want to put any old uh, you know easy listening artists on blast, but. You know, <laughs> if we could just take all his records and melt them back down to a so, record and then put so them. So, like, we would always be digging through, you know, flea markets and thrift stores or wherever for records. And there would be an insane amount of, like, um, Christian and gospel records. Right. And, uh, it, and I don't know that it was just, I think that those were just the people who donated to, like, the charities that were running the thrift store that we ended up at. And, but, yeah, there, there's so many vinyls that. They're just, no one's ever going to listen to that. <laughs> yeah. I'm still one of these guys who is like dead set on like finding uh, Lubbock on everything, like out in the wild, you know, because I, I there has thrill, to be, huh? yeah, that there has to be, it has to be out there somewhere uh, and it's just been, you know. Oh, someone's sitting on some of them, like, I, they're in someone's closet, someone's found, grandma's closet. I found, Tulsa, the found, uh. Rolling Stone sticky fingers with the mm. with the working zipper. Yeah, I've got one of those. And uh, and I, it, it just made my day to, to find that. You know, like I'd seen the printed one before, but I hadn't right. seen the real zipper one. Yeah. Wonder how much extra that cost. <laughs> like, because that's another thing I'm learning. Like, because I'm dealing with all this record hands on. This like what it costs is to cost to make your art, to make your yeah. uh, cover work, your press everything, and, and like that had to be a very expensive thing to add to a record. Right. A working zipper. Yeah, because I, I obviously you know I like the nothing. label and management were like, are you no no guys no and they they're like, well we have to we have to. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's gotta have a fucking zipper. <laughs> or it's either that or like back in the day, like because it's the Stones. You're like, oh yeah, of course, yeah, sure. You yeah, want like I rivets guess on like the cloud, back like, pocket too. They're know? not liking it, but they can't tell them no. You know, like in behind, as soon as the meeting's over, they're like. 
Jesus Christ. <laughs> a, a zipper? Really? Like, you know how much this is going to cost? And, like, the accountants are telling them exactly, like, yeah, it's an extra $5 an album. And yeah. just a lot of money back then. Yeah. <laughs> and that's the thing, though, too, is, like, where maybe there was, like, the... Because it's, it's also limited, obviously, clearly. There's not, like, every fucking one of them with a... What if there was, like, a particular, like, zipper factory that they were friends with and, like... And like this is the deal. Like we're gonna we're gonna sell a hundred thousand zippers for you for our album. Well, I was thinking that, or like the the number of like okay, like pre meeting. We know that these guys like Mick and Keith are gonna want the zipper because clearly the covers like that. What's our number? You know, yeah, <laughs> nothing over five thousand. You <laughs> yeah, yeah, can. Okay, yeah, yeah. Obviously, we have to do this because it's what Mick wants, but what can we cut him off at, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I always think about uh, with the Stones now is after Keith put out that book, um, he refers to um, to Mick as Brenda. Like in, and he says it like in a, like, it, it didn't, wasn't like a, supposed to be like a, a slap to the face or condescending. It was supposed to be in a loving, a loving way. It's like, how is that like loving whatsoever? Like at any point, Todd Snyder has a song about it called Brenda. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, like, it, like how does it not like calling someone a, I don't know, like a Nancy or something, right. you know, like something your, your junior high gym coach would like call you like, like pick it up, Brenda or something like that. You yeah. know, like, like how does it not come across that way? Yeah. Brenda. It was, it's, it's, it's my it's Brenda. In a, love, a loving <laughs> way. I affectionately called him Brenda. It's like, oh, those band They wrote their own right rules, I guess. Yeah. I always kind of go, like, everyone gives Mick shit for, like, you know, kind of being the, oh, like, it would be fun to be in a band with Keith Richards, you know? And it's like, no, actually, like, all your livelihood is tied to, like, him. And, like, because no one wants a Mick solo record out of him. Even though he put out couple songs. Yeah, I think he put out the some. Bowie just, yeah, single. It wasn't, and, wasn't a thing, but, but yeah. uh, just worked together. I think they both like thrived off of each other. Yeah, no, I mean, that's it had to be that way for, especially those two guys, I think. So, I don't know. Um, going back to the record, though, Big Country, you know, obviously I'm a basketball guy. That guy, Big Country, is like one of those what-if guys. I know like now like people kind of go with the Oh, you know, he's too slow in the NBA and all that stuff. He's like, well, he also got, like, super injured, like, pretty early on. Yeah, yeah, he had back problems. Like, it's it's a common misconception that Big Country was a bust, like, draft-wise. Right, yeah. He was all-rookie team. He was all-second-year team. He had, like, a great three or four – like, his big contract – the contract that was a bust was his second contract mm-hmm. because that's when they – like, his rookie contract was great. He was, like, a 2010 guy every night. And his second contract, he got hurt right after that on his back, and then kind of wasn't ever the same after that. But, like, as a draft pick and a rookie, like, his first, you know, three to four years, dude was a solid pick, unstoppable. And uh, But, yeah, he wasn't a bust as a draft pick. That second contract was kind of a bust. Yeah. I also think about how – because he was drafted by Vancouver when, when the Grizzlies were in Vancouver. That's the, like – obviously fast forward 10 years and the Grizzlies are in Memphis. That's kind of like a, a perfect landing spot other than obvious, the obviously Oklahoma city. Oh yeah. It, that's, it's, you know so what I mean? 
I want to say he never played a game in Memphis. He was still yeah. on the team, but he never actually because that's when his injury started. Like he was supposed to play some and was just back problems and never made it. But yeah, like that's Memphis isn't that far from like yeah. he's from almost Arkansas. He's from like I don't know ten or fifteen miles from Arkansas. So other side of Arkansas, you're in Memphis, and so all not much further than Oklahoma City. Like so that they would have been a great fan base and yeah the OSU fans and. Yeah, that would have been a cool spot. Like if you could have had some good years in Memphis. Does he? Is he back in Oklahoma? Do you even yeah, know? Yeah, yeah. Like like my so my friends and family are, like are all down in Sequoia County. Still, in, he's back in Sequoia County. And, um, they see him all the time. And the uh, my uh, I don't know that he's listened to it yet. But my my uh, sister in law works at a car dealership, and she she told him about the song one day. So I know. He knows we have a song about him. I don't know if he knows he made the, the title cut, but he knows we got a song about him. Well, lucky for you, he does listen to new slang. So, I mean, he's, oh, he's yeah. learned all this so, new stuff already now. And he's when this been, comes been out, a hero of mine since I was a little kid. <laughs> yeah. the I'm trying to think of, like, back. I guess, like, that's, like, the – when I, with big countries especially, it's just kind of like, oh, well, that guy's from Oklahoma. That's he's a massive guy. Okay, well, that's kind of a cool guy to play or be a fan of. Um, but then soon, obviously, Dallas got Dirk, so it was like another yeah. tall white guy to be a big fan of, and he didn't get injured. So, you know, I guess that's how it goes. Well, I like my basketball heroes, American. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like that's the thing with Dallas now. No, uh, we, yeah. we, we, oh, oh, we yeah. just get like just you European a dudes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what, you, uh, are you a Thunder fan? Yeah, yeah, big time Thunder fan. Like, I just always, you know, casually liked the NBA. Probably didn't really have a favorite team, but then, yeah, the Thunder have made, like, everyone in Oklahoma a big fan. Did I I know? Yeah. I have a friend who moved up to Oklahoma City, and he was kind of a Mavs, Spurs, just kind of loose fan base kind of thing. Moves up to Oklahoma City and then, like, just bought in to everything. And it's, I, I think there's like, in my opinion, there's this unofficial rule of like, if you're, whatever your age is, you can't have like a guy's jersey younger than you. You know what okay. I mean? I didn't know that was a rule, but it makes sense. I like that. You know what I mean? Like, and this guy comes back and he's got jerseys and caps and I'm like, dude. And of course, like Russell's his guy, uh, which of course. Thunder Mania. Gone. I, I was a James Harden uh, fan, like in the early Thunder days and Broke, broke my heart when when he got traded yeah. slash left. Well, that whole that trade right there is one of those things where, you know, they said they wouldn't be able to afford all three of them, Durant and Russ well, and, and, I think, and Harden. And then it came out, well, it came out later, like, where... If we went and gave Ibaka so much money, we could yeah. have kept Harden. Yeah. Well, there's, there's that. There's the... The uh, they didn't anticipate they didn't have the foresight to see that the NBA's salary cap was going to also jump up because that's the whole reason why Golden State could even get KD because of the big money bump and so had they realized that had the foresight they would have been able to keep all three forever basically what yeah I didn't also the, with the KD deal like um, I don't know what the logic was but the you know obviously if someone's not going to resign. When their contract's expiring, you're going to trade them and get what you can for them. Yeah. His whole excuse was, I'm waiting on the cap to go up so you can sign me for more. And they're like, okay, we'll keep you and not trade you. 
Yeah. And then, so that's how you end up empty handed. Right. KD's at Golden State. Yeah. The, uh, I mean, I, I'm all about just like letting players go wherever and like not being pissed off at the player, but also at the same time, like, I'm like, oh, I've had 20 years of fucking Dirk and if, you know, who's to say Luca doesn't fucking leave in eight at on year eight, year nine, yeah. you know? So like, I probably would have a, a different opinion, but we're, so the Thunder have been good, like, since they've been in Oklahoma. And so, like, other than, like, the first two years, maybe. And right. then, so now, like, New not experience. being good and not having superstars is a pretty different experience and for us. Yeah. Well, uh, Presti's been trading everyone away for and just kind of being, like, the, the way station. Oh, just stocking up draft picks. Yeah. Like we're, that's the way he's been, yeah. I better the, ho- hopefully we hit on some. Well, that's the thing with the – now you guys got Horford, and everyone thought like he was going to be a, uh, you know, just dead dead weight salary wise, all that kind of stuff. And the one thing that I've noticed that OKC never really does is buyouts. And like Horford would be a buyout candidate, and instead of doing that, they'd be like, "Yeah, we're going to shut him down for the rest of the year, and you know, see if we can trade him next year." And some contender is going to give a a pick of some worth. Yeah. You know? We're going to have picks. We just got to make some right ones. All of the picks. Yeah, SGA. That's that's our yeah our future in. I will say Thunder. that, um, like, of the teams that are, are going to be able to have Cade next year, like I will say, like Oklahoma City would probably be like my first choice. Like I don't want him to go to like the Pelicans because like bad bad uh, ownership. Um, Minnesota would just be a fucking like that's where you know players go, go to die. die. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that would would not be a bad backcourt of SGA and Cunningham. Happy to have him. We need somebody. So yeah, I don't know. We're, if anyone's still listening here, that they made it through the sports talk. <laughs> I want to break one more time to talk about our pals over at Desert Door and offer up a quick Thomas Mooney's cocktail minute. As I've said probably a hundred times by now, by no means am I a seasoned mixologist or bartender, but these have been some of my Desert Door go-tos. For starters, let's just go with the tried and true ranch water. Pop the top off the Topo Chico, take a good swig, now pour in some Desert Door, and top it off by throwing in a few lime wedges. Never fails. This one, it's so simple it probably doesn't even count, but again, pretty foolproof. Do the exact same thing, but get you a Mexican Coca-Cola. I guess you can go with a regular one, but you're really cutting yourself short if you don't opt for the Mexican import variety. All right, here's the changeup you've been waiting for, Desert Door Sangria. This one is prime for when you have company coming over and you aren't wanting to just be over there making six different drinks at a time. What you'll need is some Desert Door, obviously, a bottle of red wine, honey, boiling water, apple cider, apple cider vinegar, some cinnamon sticks, a couple of apples, and some thyme sprigs. I know that may sound intimidating, but trust me, it's worth the prep. And honestly, it's pretty easy. For starters, get you a punch bowl, add that honey, those cinnamon sticks, and the boiling water together. Now, you're going to want to stir that all up and let it cool down for about an hour or so. 
Remember, patience is a virtue. Once that's done, add some desert door and stir vigorously. Now add the wine, the cider, and the vinegar and continue stirring until it's equally mixed. Now slice those apples up and toss them in. Put in those thyme sprigs as well. Now you can pour that over some ice and you have a mighty fine sangria. Chef's kiss. Anyway, those have been some of my favorite go-tos as of late. And remember, Desert Door is as versatile as vodka and more refined, smooth, complex, and intriguing than tequila. It's rich in balance, and whether you decide to keep it simple or want to experiment, Desert Door is that perfect Texas spirit. There's plenty more recipes over at DesertDoor.com as well. Check out the show notes for a link. All right, let's get back to the episode. Um, yeah, going back to the record, I want to talk about how, obviously, like you got you you cut a, a song that was a song that you wrote when Turnpike and Turnpike obviously cut the the song. What what was that? Always one of those songs that you wanted to. Oh, uh, uh, Fall Out of Love? Yeah, yeah, Fall Out um, Love, yeah. Yeah, so, um, you know, for a couple of years, me and Amber had been doing it as a duet, and I think it adds a whole other dynamic to the song. Like, you've got, like, yeah, like a like a man and a woman, like, sort of fussing and fighting, you know, and I, I thought that was a really neat take on it, and, a, a, and we started doing it live like that, and I said, like, we ought to record it, got to re-record this one. It's, it's, it's too cool as a duet, and... Like, maybe the song always should have been a duet, but, you know, didn't really think of it at the time we recorded it. And But uh, I, I really like it that one. It turned out really good. Yeah. Well, that, that's what, where I was wanting to go with it. it. That was kind of like one of those ideas that you had back in the day of it being a duet or if it was one of those really things. Really didn't. Just, and like, when we originally recorded it, it was kind of a, a newer idea. Like, we were just working it up for me and Amber to sing. And I was like, well, what if we did this as a duet? And, uh, you know, like, yeah, this, this works. Like, uh, this, boy, it's, the lines even split up well, like, uh, right. like you're, like, you know, talking to each other. And so that's kind of how it evolved. Yeah. You mentioned old Johnny Burke uh, having some co-writes on here. Been talking with him throughout the pandemic every once in a while, having a phone call here and there. Uh, obviously, gifted songwriter and storyteller. What, what's it like uh, writing when? When you sit down with with a guy like Johnny, well, it depends on what kind of shape you catch him in. First thing <laughs> I'm gonna say, but uh, it's neat, man. He's definitely um, one of the hardest working songwriters I've ever been around. Like, kind of a put your nose to the grindstone and let, let's get this thing finished. Let's work on this thing. Like a whereas I'll, I don't know. I'm if I hit a roadblock or just get stuck on on something, I'm. I'm more apt to put it down and like, oh, I'm going to go clear my head off. I'll give this some time and, you know, think about it and see what comes to me. And like, he's more of a, no, let's sit down and get this thing done. Um, which, which I've never been great at doing with songs. So sometimes it, it really helps me finish songs that I otherwise wouldn't. And if I wasn't working with Johnny and, uh, so I think what all we got on there, astronaut, we wrote that one together. Um, there's one called let the whiskey do the talking that uh, was me and him and, uh, Amber, helped on that one too and then um drunk high and loud like a lot of a song that people a lot of people have probably heard me sing for years uh, me and uh johnny wrote that one together and uh yeah it was, it was cool to finally record it you know it was kind of a right. staple of turnpike shows forever and so it's cool to finally kind of have it on an album and but that that's one me and johnny did and that's a uh, he i don't know he's one of my favorite people to write with we kind of 
click good and understand what each other means. And like, like I said, he's, he's, believe it or not, he, he's sort of like the, the driving force. I'm like, hey, let's get this done, man. I think we can finish this. Or, or whereas like I'm more, more of like a, oh, let me, let me ponder on that for a while. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I can see that being the case with Johnny as far as like, mm-hmm. you know, doing the, let's, uh, let's work through this lull, if yeah. you will, the, the, the hard part of it so yeah he's uh obviously one of the sharpest guys around yeah sure and uh we've been buddies a long time and i've got written a lot together and so that i think that helps a lot you get real you just get comfortable you know yeah well is there how is is writing with him is has it been you mentioned how helping finish up songs that maybe you didn't necessarily think would ever get done and stuff like that how much is there of just like stuff that you've written that you may not even get cut but it's just you know it's quote unquote finished just because of oh, anything I, out there i mean probably an album's worth or maybe two just stuff that oh, we haven't found a spot for yet or we yeah have, i was telling the story today about him the uh we were out here for Dalton's thing years ago. I think you probably saw yeah. us. And me and him were staying at the hotel together. And we were here like at least two or three days. And because uh, I think I'd come to play and then had a few days and Turnpike was in Midland or something. And I met up with him there. But uh, And we'd written some songs. And I, he called me one day, like not long ago. And it was a baseball song. And um, he, uh, it was some, I know there's a line about the Rangers and the Astros. It was kind of when they started they started being in the same league, you know? Right. And uh, the, uh, he's like, hey, man, he's like, do you have a, a copy of the baseball song we wrote? And I was like, I was like, no, man, I think you, we demoed that on your phone, and I don't think you ever sent it to me. I was like, I probably have some lyrics. And so I found what lyrics I had, and it was only like half of them. And I was like, man, I think you... Like the finished lyrics and the the recording were on on like your phone. He's like, yeah, that's what I was thinking, man. And the, like I sent him what I had, and he's like, yeah, yeah, that's it. And he's like, you remember any more of it? I was like, not really. I was, I was like, do you? And he's like, no. He's like, he's like, damn it, man. He's like, he's like, that was a good song. <laughs> so there's no telling how many like that we've written. Yeah, it's out there, missed, missed on the uh, <laughs> the. Uh, <laughs> I remember you guys sending over a song that you and Stout and I think was Jeff there. Yeah, that you guys that, wrote the during that one, during the one, Drinko back thing. of the Blue Light one. That yeah, I can't even. I don't remember what it was about other than maybe like a Walmart parking lot or some shit. Yeah, something about waking remember. up in a Walmart. It was something Charlie had started. Like it might have just been a line or two, and like me and him and Jeff like yeah. fleshed it out. Yeah. Charlie's going to cut that song and put it out on a single, guys, just to... You know, he was playing it for a while. He might be the only one who still knows it. Like, I don't I don't really know it. Like, yeah. I used to have a recording of us drunkenly celebrating and singing it after we wrote it or something. Yeah. The, uh, the other song that you guys wrote that probably more well-known is the, the one that Dalton cut. The uh, Oh, with Charlie? Yeah, it was out as far as the yeah that happened to, i think charlie was like staying at my house and dalton had sent him this song and it's like hey man do you want to help me with this it's some uh i think he dalton started it and then like charlie me and charlie finished it is kind of how that went down and we were sitting at the house in tahlequah and the, I, I, 
helped with a few lines. Like I halfway felt bad for getting a co-write on that one, but uh, they were nice enough to put me on there. But that's kind of how that went down. Yeah. That one, I know Charlie is always, like, giving Dalton shit because I guess, it, like, the version y'all wrote originally, like, the guy goes, like, on a murder spree kind of thing. And yeah, like it was Dalton a lot more kinda, brutal. And, like, yeah. I, I think he cleaned it up and changed it a little bit, Dalton did, uh, to, to call, yeah, like, I, they were, like, I think me and Charlie had, like, chunks of brains flying around and right, stuff yeah. like that. Brain matter. Yeah. So, Yeah. <laughs> You know how Charlie is. The the one time, here's a good little Charlie Stout story. Is do you guys remember when you guys played up here during Fourth of July, a couple years back? At the, by that bank or something. Yeah, it was mm-hmm. like y'all and like Dirty River Boys and Charlie Stout and Charlie goes up there to play and he plays like 45 minutes or whatever, 30 minutes and goes off stage and is in a good mood and all that kind of stuff and he comes out and then. The, the people who are like running the thing ask him to go back on stage to play more like another hour and then like Charlie you know is pissed off and he gets up there and he just starts singing all of his songs that are like murder ballads and like it, it was two totally different shows just in personality Charlie was like engaging yeah. during that first part trying to make some jokes and then the other time he was just up there singing songs like pissed off and like, uh, I, he came off stage I'll in preface, a bad I mood. enjoyed both sets but like, so the first one <laughs> He killed it, you know. It was like in in a good mood, put on a great show, you know. Like like played his hits, you know. Told the good stories, jokes, and yeah. Like, like you said, you know, he, he was being fun and stuff, and he uh, like kills it, obviously. And then gets off stage, and he's he's at the merch booth, like you know, like signing some records or whatever he had. And a uh, the lady comes up to him, and is is it's like, uh, can, can you get up and do another hour? <laughs> like the thing was just timed very weird like they were, I don't know if someone canceled or they just timed it bad but there's like a huge gap in between like when we started yeah. and when they had Charlie finishing and so so he's like yeah I'll do it but yeah obviously he's pissed off so it's just like a mean angry Charlie stat set like uh, the second one and yeah it's all killing people and pissed off sad songs yeah well his whole thing has always been if you're opening people only want to hear you for like 30 minutes at most especially if you're just like with an acoustic guitar yeah maybe 45 yeah and then of course he went out and played all his his murder ballads yeah you want the the rest of the show (laughs) and he played you the fun stuff (laughs) yeah that show um i don't even know if i told you this but uh my my grandma came up and played and uh you knew that part probably but um they she went back there and was like just standing backstage and um to watch the show and the people who were running it uh asked her to see the their, her badge or whatever her wristband is so she shows it and said my grandson got it for me referring to me but they took it as like my grandson got it as in one of y'all and so then they just started giving her like a like a new like a a padded seat to sit down on and like food and hey. like all this like she deserves it. I'm, glad, I'm glad they took yeah. <laughs> I honestly thought that story was gonna go another direction like they're trying to kick your grandma out oh of the no backstage. no 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 like yeah <laughs> yeah so. your grandma was always sweet to us thank you for the cookies <laughs> yeah <laughs> I'll never forget that yeah it's uh yeah she's she's doing good so good to yeah. hear I told her that you got you guys were playing up here and 
you know, it's just too late these days. Kind of so. late, yeah. This is sort of yeah, this is a late start for me these days. <laughs> it's kind of funny, like they're in well, Oklahoma actually for a weird while had a a bar slash whatever curfew during COVID, and like you couldn't be out after like eleven or midnight. Yeah. And so a lot of shows, bars, everything dialed their hours back um, earlier, and they uh, and so like some of them are still you're doing pretty early shows. You know, you're on seven or eight, like. I don't know if we've done an 11 o'clock showtime in a while. Yeah. Well, that's what's weird here. Like, they did, yeah, yeah. They, uh, they shut down here at midnight during a lot of the quarantine stuff. But then uh, that meant, like, obviously earlier shows and opening up at 8, and they just stuck to opening up at 8 now. And it's like, well, shit. Kind of the other direction, huh? You know, um, okay. But, like, still obviously doing 11 o'clock starts and all that stuff now. But, yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, they're about to open up here in a minute anyways. Yeah. So you want to go grab a beer? Yeah, I think we're, we're going to try to grab some food. Well, I was just using that as an Indian. <laughs> yes, I would love to have a beer somewhere. So, yeah, anyways. Um, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll do it again sometime. Yeah, let's get one, buddy. Sounds good. All right, that is it for this one. As RC said, be on the lookout for Big Country by RC and the Ambers coming your way later this year. Be sure to stop on over and visit our pals over at the Blue Light Live in Desert Door. And yeah, I'll see y'all next week for more episodes.